Okay, everybody. Well, we always wanted to get a guest from the industry on the show, and well, our first one is certainly a doozy. He's uh, well known in the PlayStation universe. Most people love him. Some on his blog love to hate him. One of one of the co-founders of the new development house, Eat, Sleep, Play, and the father of Kratos, Mister David Jaffe. How's it going, sir? It's going good. How are you guys doing? Great. I, I can't get the image of you fathering Kratos out of my head now. Right, I know. He, he came out of a very small orifice right under my ass. It was very painful. Yeah, those those blades must have hurt at, for weeks after. They did. They did. I still, uh, well, and, yeah. <laughs> How family rated is your show? I don't know. But, uh, not uh, very yeah. at all. We pretty much go we go there. Oh, okay, good, good, good. We'll, we'll, we we'll, want we'll, you to say whatever you want. Okay, well, I'll I'll be happy to do it. You know I will. Yeah, so if you want to go into a five-second just cussing tirade or whatever, just go for <laughs> it. No, I, th- I, I think I may very well be over that. I think oh. I may very well be. Sorry That's what that. kids do to you. Yeah, your kids are softening well, you too I, much. I don't think it's the kids. I think it was just kind of, um, I, don't, I don't know. I think I, I'm, I'm a lot less angry than I used to be uh, with, with this new company and with the new games we're working on. And, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I, you know, I, I, I think it's probably like, you know, you just you just get put into a situation where you're just not happy, and so you you kind of you know it was my fault that I didn't know and I didn't realize I, how unhappy I was uh, until a lot longer it, before it took me time to leave Sony. And I should you know that's I think why I was so fucking angry. there's the f there you go that's why I was so angry all the time because it was just like I, I didn't want to be there you know. That, that might like be a little less time. entertaining for us news people, but that's good to hear for you. Um, yeah, I know. Do you, mi- I know. do you mind if I ask, like, what are the reasons you were so angry or so um, unhappy under your situation before Eat, Sleep, Play? Well, I, I think it was just, you know, um, I had really achieved all I was ever going to achieve, uh, at least in that uh, version of my life as a Sony employee. And, you know, you never say never. And I, I'm still a huge Sony fan, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of the people who who work there and my bosses and my ex-bosses. And, and so it, was, it wasn't like it was a bad working environment. It was just that, you know, I, I had come to a point where I had really reached the ceiling of what I could achieve at that given time as a Sony employee. And uh, what I said to, uh, and in, uh, I did an interview with Inguy a few days ago, uh, or it went up a few days ago on his blog, um, was that it was just like, you know, I, I came to the realization that it was time to leave about a year and a half too late. And so for that year and a half, which was really when I was becoming known within the industry, uh, and I was very public. Uh, th- you know, there there was a lot of you know, uh, it was all in good fun. But you know, I think underneath the surface, there was definitely some uh, anger and frustration. Not at Sony, but just sort of, I guess, reflecting on it. You know, at myself of going, you know, you're not happy anymore. You know, you did got a war. That's what you really wanted to do. You worked with an amazing team. You had that experience, and it really was time to sort of get off the stage and get on another stage. And it just, I stayed, I, I outstayed my welcome. And I think that's why I was was so unhappy because deep inside. I really it was it was time to form Eatly Play, and I should have done it a lot sooner. It was kind of nice having that interview with then guy right before we uh, did this interview with you because. Uh, well, and we by the way, it's great read. So. I'm sorry, what's that? Well, yeah, I was just going to say it was kind of funny because it was actually your last day at Sony that you were doing that interview. Yes. <laughs> so it, it was it was a great read, and I, I suggest everybody go out there and read it because um, I mean you really went into detail about a lot of the things that kind of were, were pushing, and it was, it was kind of funny because. It was obvious that you were trying to make sure that you ma- made your the point that you were trying to make because, and I, I was wondering if that's because of some of the shit that happens on your blog, where like when you said something about uh, Mario sixty four, and all of a sudden just everybody just started blasting you. Right, I remember. I think that was when I had uh, I had had a picture taken with uh, Miyamoto at E3 this year. And he, you know, it wasn't like, you know, we're colleagues. He doesn't know who I, I, I could have just been a guy off the street who didn't even know who he was, you know, let alone a, a game fan who did, let alone somebody who worked in games like me. And so I was just posting about, hey, this is kind of cool to meet Miyamoto. But then I was saying that, you know, as, as much as I love and respect Miyamoto in his earlier work, and as much as I respect his work now and how much he's really transformed the industry and how much you really have to, uh, you know, give huge uh, respect for what he's done in a lot of ways, more so in the last five years uh, with DS and the Wii. And obviously, he's not—he doesn't do it all, but you know, he's, he's the guiding vision behind it. You really have to, in some ways, respect that more than the classics he made back in the day, because he really is—you know—his vision is on the verge of transforming the industry and, and really significantly growing it. And so, 
I was trying to be very respectful and make that very clear in my blog, but it, what ended up happening was people only picked up on the fact that I was saying, you know, as a pure game player, I haven't really enjoyed a lot of his work since Mario 64 from a, a game standpoint. I wasn't a big Pikmin fan, and, you know, I, I, I don't know, um, you know, I, I got kind of got bored with Paper Mario, not because it's not a great game, I get it, I appreciate it, all that stuff, it's just, it's not my cup of tea, you know. And so that's all I was saying, and yeah, I got I got slammed pretty hard, absolutely. But I, you know, at this point, it doesn't really even bother me anymore. It's just kind of like, you know, what I really like these days is when I get slammed more and more, and it's never going to be a hundred percent or maybe even fifty percent, but it's definitely more. Uh, I'll see people going, you know, posting on the forums when people are flooding me, going, "Hey, have you actually read what Jaffe said? You know, have you actually read the article that Kotaku or Joystick or Destructoid or any of these guys?" are linking to it's like before you come in here and post all this venom you should probably actually you know uh get the context of it which is not to say everything i open my mouth that comes out is 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 so nice and kind and i'm the nicest perfect guy in the world but i guarantee you i'm not out there looking to take pot shots at people both from a political professional standpoint also i'm just a nice guy i I don't think i'm a great designer why would i why in the world would i actually think to open my mouth and diss miyamoto i mean how ignorant is that (laughs) well yeah what's that well, and and I was actually one of the people that was on your blog saying, "Did you even read what the hell he was saying?" So, I think a lot right, of people exactly. just use that as, well, as I an appreciate, I appreciate that. So, thank you. Oh, no problem. And I was one of the people who wrote up a story with an inflammatory headline that uh, <gasps> got people talking. What's that? <laughs> I said I was one of the people who wrote up a story with an inflammatory headline to get people talking in the first place. Which which story was that? No, I'm just I'm just messing. I didn't oh, okay. really. I mean, I don't even know if I can blame those guys. I mean, what did I see? You know, I don't know. What do you do? You know, I mean, it's, it's you know, I mean, the fact is, I've been much more fortunate than most people in my position, and you know, a lot of it's come from the fact that the press has been, for better or for worse, interested in certain things I have to say, and so you know, I, I, and for a while, I think that was a mutually beneficial relationship. These days, I really. I no longer have, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm real interested in continuing to talk to fans and, and to sort of be out there regarding, you know, the work and all that stuff. I, I think that wall between creator and, and, and customer, I, I'm happy to see that, you know, coming down. And I'm happy within our industry to be contributing to that wall coming down. But at the same time, I think, um, you know, it, it can get a little crazy sometimes. But it's, you know, it doesn't bug me like it used to. Well, that, uh, I got a question that goes with that. So, you really are recognized. I don't. I don't want to, you know, fluff you too much or anything. But you really are recognized as one of the premier developers in this industry. You know, partly because of the great games you make, and partly because you are so outspoken. You are, are the kind of guy people like to attach to. Yeah. Uh, what is it? What What is it like per se? Uh, knowing that, like, people kind of hang on, on to your every word because you really do. In some ways, you are the face of the American video game industry. I, well. I, I I don't know if I if do, I do you need to sit that, down now. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know if I think that's the case. But I mean, so you're asking, what is it like to sort of have? What's it like being a celebrity game developer? Uh, I see. Okay, that's, that makes sense. Um, it's really. I mean, gosh, it, it's it's hard to answer that question because they've, the first thing that was about to come out of my mouth was, it's really nothing. You know, I'm just me. I have my kids are about to come home from the park, and you know, my wife's going out to hang out with some friends tonight. I'm trying to figure out, you know, am I going to go over to a movie and eat popcorn? But then I don't need popcorn because I don't want to gain any weight. I mean, I'm just like this is my life. You know what I'm saying? So it never really occurs to me. I'm just kind of doing what you guys do and what everybody else does, and so it doesn't really occur to me that that's the case. Assuming it is the case, um, but at the same time, I can tell you this. It's certainly a hell of a lot better than working, you know, anonymously on products that you care about, and then nobody shows up to even care. Um, you know, a lot of people accuse. I don't know. They, you know, they took this as like an accusatory tone, like, "Well, if you weren't David Jaffe, nobody would care. Would have cared about calling our cars." And I was kind of like, "Okay. I mean, then I guess I should be grateful that I'm David Jaffe." I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, I love the fact that there are people who are interested in the games that we make. It's just like all the other developers out there that maybe don't get as much publicity. We all work really hard in the industry. We bust our asses to, to make good products. And, you know, even when it comes out as a game that people don't like, we've still worked really hard and put a lot of heart and soul into that. And so uh, I, I'm definitely grateful for, for, for that part of it. Um, I'm always, uh, you know, I always get a thrill when... Hang, hang on one second. 
Okay. I keep getting these IMs from this person, and I'm just like, dude, I'm doing something right now. <laughs> IMs are the greatest. IMs are the greatest thing in the world, but at the same time, it's just like I, I can't like close them. I always have to keep it open, and then it's like distracting. I'm just gonna shut my laptop. Okay, so I mean, so I'm I'm grateful, you know, that, uh, you know, that we definitely get the attention that we do, and it, it would suck to sort of have people not care about the stuff that we do. Um, but at the same time, I will I will admit that I think at the beginning I thought it was kind of cool, like, hey, you know people know who I am and they're interviewing me. I'm on TV and I'm in magazines and all that. And I think, I, I, I think I thought that was going to be a lot cooler than it really turned out to be. And I think honestly, um, it really, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I hate to ramble. I, I, I don't know how I feel about it. On one hand, I'm very grateful and excited by it. And on the other hand, I guess I'm surprised at how, uh, mundane and, and irrelevant and sort of empty the whole thing is. So I hope that's a good answer to your question. That's a great answer. And by the way, my thumb hates you for calling all cars because uh, it was killing oh, me. Oh, right. yeah, you guys like calling all cars. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. you know, we, def- we definitely have our fans, but we also have people who are like, you know, this is crap. We hate this. I can't believe this was $9. You know, and it's like no. the one thing I always say. Like, what's that? It's five now. Five now. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, until what, the end of the week or something, yeah. Yeah, I think no, so. I, was, I, I somebody told me about that the other day. I didn't. I didn't know that was coming on the line. They don't really keep us informed or any of that stuff. Um, so you had nothing know, to do with the price. What's that? Do you know how uh, how Calling All Cars is done? I, I, it's done well. It hasn't done. It isn't like the best selling game on PlayStation Network, but in in the context of how all the games are done, it's definitely in like the top four, maybe. Good. Oh wow, well, that's good to know. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's done well, but I mean, it, it's like that. That market so far has not yet, um, you know, I, I think the biggest lesson, and I think I mentioned this to Inguy too in that blog, um, the, the biggest lesson was I, I had assumed, I had made this gamble that, it wasn't much of a gamble, it was a sub-million dollar gamble in, in terms of how much it cost to make that game, but I had made this gamble that, oh, people are going to be paying five, ten dollars for these titles, and unlike a $60 game or even a $30 game at retail, I, I kind of assumed, oh, well, people will take chances now. They'll take chances on the theme of the game. Uh, they'll pick up an arcade party game, whereas in the past, unless it had Mario in it, they'd probably pass on it. I'd assume suddenly this, this distribution method and what goes with it is this great price point uh, would suddenly allow this whole uh, you know, generation of sort of almost independent gaming uh, to, to come to players. And that certainly has happened. I mean, if you look at Calling All Cars, if you look at even, you know, grander versions of that experiment, like, uh, you know, Flow and Everyday Shooter, uh, Geometry Wars, these games are not without uh, their rabid fans. But I think I had assumed that the vast majority of gamers would sort of welcome this. And what has really happened is, uh, you know, it's the same niche of people who would go out and buy, you know, an Atlas game who are buying these downloadable games and, and things. Now, obviously, the install base grows. That will grow as well. But it, it, it isn't suddenly the guys who went out and bought Gears of War and God of War and Gran Turismo are suddenly like, hey, I'm going to sit around and you know maybe I'll, I'll spend four bucks on Calling All Cars or five bucks on Everyday Shooter. They're just like, fuck it, I'm going to go rent the next big AAA title. And yeah. so that, that was sort of a wake-up call and a lesson in terms of the market, which doesn't mean, you know, we're not still crazy about these small games. We are. We've built our whole company around it. It's just that I think there's a better sense now of sort of a reality of the situation and sort of designing games with that reality in mind and budgeting games with that reality in mind. Is there still a chance for uh, downloadable content for Calling All Cars? But there's always a chance. I mean, we we don't we're not doing any of it. I can tell you that okay. with Eat Sleep Play, and um, I would be I haven't heard anything about it, and I would be really surprised if it was coming down the line. But you know, for all I know, it is, and they just haven't told us. But I I, I would imagine we would have been the first people they would have come to and said, Hey, could you guys make some more levels? You know, and they haven't done that, and uh, and so my assumption is nothing's nothing sort of in uh, you know on the front burner or even the back burner. But you know, you never know. Okay. Right. Hey, Dave. I uh, I promised one of our uh, one of our friends that uh, I would read his little. Uh, he, he sent a little uh, blurb over about calling all cars, and I promised I, I'd read it to you if you were ever on the show. Okay. So, cool. um, and uh, this is from our, our buddy Savory Cade, and uh, he says, "I can't thank you enough for making calling all cars. Playing it reminds me of the best time from my college days playing Mario Kart 64 and Goldeneye all night long with a bunch of my friends." You have no idea how I wish this game would have been around then, and it's one of the main reasons I bought a PS3. Incredible job, and thanks. 
wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. See, that's that's really nice for for me to hear. I'm sure when the team hears that, they're going to be thrilled. I mean, that that really is um, that's that's amazing. That's that's a really flattering thing to hear. I mean, it's it's the fact that that's that's what's really cool about it is the fact that we know we've contributed to people having a good time and, 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 and sort of their fun. You know, when, when we hear, oh, me and my brother were playing split screen all night long, we couldn't stop, or I get along with my buddies and we're laughing and shouting and stuff. And when you really stop, and you, you, it's rare you do, but when you really stop and think about that, that you're one of the people responsible for, for that, that, that makes a lot of it worth it. That's a really, uh, I really very much believe that it's a very noble thing that we do in terms of providing people fun, because that's a, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty impressive and exciting thing to be able to say that you, you give to the world, even you know, in big doses with big audiences like God of War or small audiences like Calling All Cars. It still, it still makes us real happy, so tell him thank you for us. Oh yeah, well he'll hear it. But uh, they're even getting a big, uh, a couple matches together uh, tonight from our, our uh, from our website from VGVO. Uh, they're oh, already cool. getting some matches ready tonight, so it's still being played by our group, especially. That's and, cool. Um, That's yeah, I love that game. So awesome. Thanks. Well, now that we've talked about that, how about we move into uh, what you're doing now, and uh, specifically, you know, the Twist of Metal title. Um, you know, yeah. you released some details in the past. Do you like have anything new that you can tell us, or not? Not too much. I actually just got off the IM with uh, Paul uh, at Sony, the PR guy. I said, "Well, I'm doing this podcast, and I'd really love to tell them, uh, you know, all the the features that we're putting in there to to you know, because it's really important to us that people don't look at this like, uh, you know, oh, it's just a port, you know." Although we are definitely porting uh, head-on to the PS2, and it looks fantastic, and it really is it really is a beautiful-looking game on the PlayStation 2. I mean, it is still the style of head-on from PS, uh, PSP, so it isn't like you're going to be playing a photorealistic Twisted Metal. But, you know, the colors are vibrant, and it, it, it moves at a really fast rate, and so we're real proud of that. And then there's a lot of other features that we're packing in there. Um, even to the point that today we were sort of talking about what are we going to call this thing? Are we just going to call it Twisted Metal Head-On? and then somehow indicate on the box art that there's all these features, and we were like, you know, we should call it Twisted Metal, you know, Ultimate Fan Edition or something, because there's just all kinds of, it's such a cheesy thing to say, uh, to say, oh, this is like a love letter to the fans of Twisted Metal, but it really is. We've sort of taken that uh, directive and taken that focus statement and said, look, let's, let's just pack this thing with, you know, as much as time permits and money permits that we can to really sort of put really, really cool things in there for the fans of the series. And so... I'm not allowed, according to Sony, to get into the specifics of what those features are yet. They said that they'll they want to blow it out and they want to do it in their own way and all that stuff. But um, I'm working on it, you know, not as we speak, but right before I called you guys, I was, uh, you know, I had a bunch of the stuff going on on the screen. So there's definitely a lot going on for it. So, but I can't go into specifics, and I'm sorry about that. I think you should I have, have a question for the naming. What's that? <laughs> Phil's got a question for you. Oh, I was yeah. just gonna say I have a question about the Twisted Metal head-on. Um, I'm sort of curious. What made you guys decide to do this as the first game with the new studio? I was a little surprised when I heard it because it seemed to me like you were sort of starting this new studio to get away from, um, you know, sort of the stuff you've been chained down to in the past, but then immediately you were revisiting your past at the same time. Well, I mean, basically what it really was, and we have a three-game deal with Sony to do um, PS3 titles. Um, mm-hmm. This has never does not fall it falls into the deal with sony obviously we're being paid for it um but that's not part of the deal and so this was basically sony um saying mainly to the incog team although they've all broken off now and and for a lot of them informed me to play with me uh that hey we really want to get this on ps2 you know it was a well-reviewed game we sold tons of copies on psp we think it should be out there and so you know the reality of it comes down to and I, i i haven't been uh you know, uh, shy about this is that you know we're we're looking to do two things with this company. One is to continue what we hope will be a very successful relationship with Sony and the PlayStation uh, brand, and the other is to also build our own IP in uh, you know non-competing spaces. So you know we're not uh, biting the ham that feeds us, but we're also hoping to build and own some IP in other spaces. And and so you know everything that we can do to sort of get uh, you know some cash in the bank that we can afford to. Uh, down the road, do those titles is is good for us. And when we're looking okay. at a game like uh, Twisted Metal, especially, that's always been successful for Sony and for us. Um, it just seemed like a really good business move for us to do. But but again, if it was all and only about business, all we'd be doing is porting the game. But the fact that suddenly we're packing it with all the features that you'll hear about in the upcoming months, hopefully, 
uh, will will make fans of the series realize that you know we are doing more than just porting it. We're really putting mm-hmm. a lot of heart and soul into uh, into the title in hopes that you know they'll they'll really feel that it is a uh, worthy addition to the sort of the twisted metal uh, canon or family. How much material did you get for the uh, fan documentary? Uh, well, we got a lot. I mean, we shot, you know, we shot a bunch of the guys in Utah. We shot a bunch of people down here in Southern California. We solicited uh, a number of the hardcore fans from like sites like Twisted Metal Alliance and just sort of from my blog to put stuff up on YouTube that we then, uh, you know, had them send us the tapes and we put into the documentary. So we, we got a lot of uh, real passionate, exciting responses. And we actually just finished the edit of that. I think it was last week. Um, and so it, it's, it came together really well. I mean, it's, you know, it's what I like about it is it's more, it's more honest than I, I really don't like the puff pieces. I told these guys when they were starting to edit, I said, look, I do not want to do a marketing piece. I don't want to do an ad basically for Twisted Metal where we're all kind of kissing each other's ass and there's lots of flashy graphics and stuff. I just, I just want to make a real documentary, you know, kind of like, you know, what you'd see on PBS. I mean, hopefully, you know, if you're into the subject of Twisted Metal, you'll, you'll feel that you're actually getting, you know, a pretty meaty meal out of this documentary versus just a bunch of PR spin and, and puff pieces and things like that, which is what we didn't want to do. So I'm real excited about that, uh, that, that aspect of, of, this, uh, of this disc. So it's you, uh, not a imminent documentary on how Sweet Tooth is awesome? No. It's, it's, you know, it goes into details like how... You know, the guys who, uh, it's single track when they made Twisted 1 and 2, and they, you know, why they left and the reasons behind it, and it goes into, you know, a little bit of the psychology behind Sweet Tooth and the links between Sweet Tooth and Kratos, and, you know, there's, there's, there's some meat on the bones compared to, uh, most other video game documentaries, which aren't even really documentaries. They're more kind of, you know, so I, 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 the movies are the same way. I mean, it used to be when I was a kid, I remember, I mean, it's always been a PR driven business, but when I was a kid, I remember watching behind the scenes stuff, and, it was it was genuinely uh, illuminating and educational. I remember seeing a documentary on PBS about the making of Indiana Jones: The Temple of Doom, and I watched that thing every day after school for like a year because I was like, a, I was a huge indie fan and a Spielberg fan, and also it was really you know a, a pretty neat uh, education. And these days it's like you know HBO behind the scenes, and it's just you know one star kissing the other star's ass and saying how great this is going to be, and it's like, well, what is this? You know, this is like you know, Entertainment Tonight, it's not like a real documentary. And so we, we really wanted to make something that sort of felt more like the old school docs that we grew up watching. Excellent. Yeah. Very cool. So um, do, have you guys kind of tried to nail down a, a release date yet, or that's still kind of just hanging out there? Or? Well, I don't think we have um, announced the date. But I don't know. And so I think I'm going to plead ignorance on it and just tell you that I think it's February. <laughs> oh, okay. So we can kind of hope for I, February. I, I, I know it's not this Christmas. I, th- I mean, we're going to be done with it in about three weeks. But I think, um, you know, Sony has such a, a a huge, you know, impressive lineup coming out this Christmas that I think they were just like, look, let's, 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 let's get the big games out there. Let's put our focus onto that. And then come January, February, when hopefully a lot more PS2s have been sold, a lot more PS3s have been sold, you know, let's get some, let's let's make sure we can kind of keep the channel going with really top quality games. And so, uh, we originally thought we were going to be a Christmas release, but then we actually, uh, I, I think we're we're looking now at like late January, early February. Okay. Did did you have All any right, kind so of reaction we'll, to a lot of the people saying, or I mean, when the announcement was first made, a lot of people were kind of saying, "Why the hell are they doing it for PS2? Why not for PS3?" And I always came back with the fact that there's 115 million PS2s out uh, out in the world. And it made a lot of you know monetary sense, but I don't know if you guys had a reaction on your own. Well, I mean, look, the PS3 is. If we were to do a twisted metal for the PS3, it it wouldn't be a port. I mean, it would be a brand new title, and um, you know, um, so it just it never even occurred to us to do the port for the PlayStation 3 because it's like if we're, we're going to go down that road, it's going to be a brand new game, um, and so. Also, the reality of it is, is that you know there are there are you know a huge number of PlayStation Twos out there, and you know the the it, it, it felt like a good fit in that you know we we know that the title is going to appeal uh, to some younger gamers. We know it's going to appeal to not casual gamers like you know the the Wii, but more casual gamers in the terms of you know hard, ultra hardcore gamers have never really been. Um, you know, they, they, they do tend to move on to, to PlayStation 3 sooner. And, you know, we definitely want to speak to those fans, and we want to speak to those fans with Twisted Metal. But, 
uh, it, it made sense to us that, that really, you know, the PlayStation 2 for this title at this time, is, it just, just made more sense. It really was a pure business decision. Uh, speaking of the PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3 uh, difference, does it has it bothered you at all, um, the whole controversy over the the new PS3 SKU that's not going to have backwards compatibility? I mean, as somebody who's working on it. backwards compatibility, but it was software-based, right? No, the 40 think... gig's not going to have it. Yeah. The, 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 the new 399's not even going to have software-based backwards compatibility? Nope, the only thing it's backward compatible with is the PS1. Uh, because they took the graphics synthesizer chip out. Oh, I see, I see. So does that bother well, me? Hey, they can play Twisted Metal one and two. Well, just as as someone who's working on a on a PlayStation two title, and you know, theoretically, this holiday season before your title comes out, there will be a lot of people purchasing this new cheaper version of the PS three that won't be able to run your PS two game. Yeah. Well, yeah, it bother it, it bothers me, but it doesn't bother me near as much as the PlayStation in the past having been. Uh, what I consider too expensive. So, yeah. you know, I, I think when you look at the sheer number of PS2s out there and you look at um, the fact that this move is going to allow Sony to sell what I, you know, continue to, uh, you know, uh, contend is, is the most powerful piece of hardware out there at a much more affordable price, I think the trade-off is worth it because I think if people, if people are interested enough in playing Twisted Metal head-on on PlayStation 2, they either already own a PlayStation 2 or they've just gotten one, uh, you know, for the holidays. I don't really know many people who uh, would care about this title and don't already own a PS2 in the first place. So, you know, um, it doesn't bother me that much. It bothers me a little, but like I said, the trade-off is well, well worth it because mm-hmm. our, our, our three games that we have a deal with for Sony and hopefully many, many more games in the future are all sort of focused to be PS3 titles. So we want to see that box get in as many hands and homes as possible. Great, great. Um, I got a quick question about that. So you want to you want to work with Sony, yes? That mm-hmm. and you've got the three the uh, three game deal. So are you are you even thinking about uh, three sixty or possibly Wii or PC development? Like, are there three sixty or Wii dev kits in your office or? No, you we're, you know, we, we're a, we own our own company. Sony has no ownership in our company at all. But we're we're definitely dedicated and committed to Sony. Um, we have no Wii development kits. We have no three sixty dev kits. Um, you know, we, we're, we're fans of those platforms. Absolutely. We, every, almost everybody on the team have both of them. Um, you know, and, uh, I was playing Orange Box this morning. Um, so, you know, we're, I'm, I'm a big 360 fan, but, uh, you know, it, a lot of it has to do with the hardware, our belief in certain aspects of the hardware. A lot of it has to do with the people. Um, you know, we know and trust and believe very much in the, in the people who run Sony and their vision of what they want to do with their uh, with the with the games division and so you know we're we're right now we're you know you never say never but uh you know unless there are some seismic uh you know significant changes happening within the halls of Sony uh we're hoping to be you know uh partnered with Sony as long as they'll have us cuz you know we're we're big fans of theirs That's great to hear. Yeah. Okay. Any uh, any games you're playing right now besides Twisted Metal, or uh, you just kind of focused uh, yeah, on that? Yeah, well, I'm playing the new uh, Zelda, the Phantom Hourglass, which I started, I almost just said, fuck it. I started, I was playing in Utah, uh, and I almost just said, you know what, I'm done. I'm not, I, I really got so frustrated with that game, because it opens with this cutscene that I can't skip, and then the minute I get control <laughs> of my character, I walk into this hut, and bam, I'm right into another freaking cutscene. I'm like, you know what? Screw this. Awesome. Um, Wait, are you talking but, about but, the opening cut? Are you talking about the opening cutscene where like you press start and you just see Tetra like grabbing out towards you for like ten seconds? It was like it was like the sort of the paper cutout stuff talking about how Zelda was was the pirate queen and she got kidnapped by the ghost ship and all that stuff. Oh. Oh, and I'm just I haven't like, even okay. that game yet. The, yeah, Phantom Hourglass on the DS just came. Uh, yeah, the DS just came out uh, about a month ago. Um, and, and you know, I'm, but but I stuck with it, and and I'm and, and I am enjoying it. But it's like you know what, Nintendo, you guys are some of the best in the business. Don't fucking do that. It's like <laughs> it's it's like you 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 know, as a guy who makes games, it it, it strikes me as just confusing why people who make games don't always put themselves in the shoes of the gamer. Do they really think I've gone out and spent 40 bucks on this game and I really want to sit there and watch their stupid movie? I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk here, but do they really think that's what I want to do? No. I want to control Link. I want to, you know, go on adventures. I want to solve puzzles. It's like, yeah, I'm not saying there shouldn't be a story, but it's like, you know what? 
at this point, if you guys can't tell your story, because it's not like they're making, you know, Goodfellas or War and Peace, uh, or as I've said on, in, in other interviews countless times, not even a, a decent episode of, like, you know, Murder, She Wrote. It's just, just you know, whatever. It's a stupid little story. It's like, you guys are, are turning off potential customers to make me watch this fucking story? It's like, you guys are fucking nuts, man. Um, but then the game is great. I, the game totally redeems it. It just frustrated me. But anyways, I'm playing that, but I do very much like that. Um, you know, I tried to give Half-Life 2, uh, another go, uh, a few days ago on Orange Box. It's just not, it's just not for me. I, I thought, I thought Half-Life 1, and I've said this before, I mean, I said this in my blog ages ago and got cream for it. I'm sure I'll get cream for it now, but, um, I thought Half-Life 1 is, is probably... Uh, is it the best game ever made? I don't know, but it's definitely in the top five of the best games ever made. It's 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 watershed. It's genius. It's important uh, for the industry and just the entertainment medium in general. Half Life Two, I felt was uh, I just got really bored of it. It was really kind of slow, wow. and it was really the the sort of Orwellian dystopian vibe. It's just like I don't want to play in this, you know. So I mean that that's not bad game making. That was just a creative choice that didn't you know vibe with me. Um, and I remember catching myself playing it uh, the other day and going, okay, let me sort of shift my awareness, shift my consciousness a little bit, and let me try to pretend that I'm buying this. And when I did that, I'm like, okay, I can kind of, I can kind of, um, I can kind of see what the big deal is. If you sit down and you play games, and you're you you either suspend your disbelief that easily, or you're just willing to do so um, consciously. Um, it's kind of like, hey, I'm actually kind of living in this world. This is kind of cool. But then it's like, you know what? For me, that takes too much effort. I'll go watch a movie or a TV show, and I don't have to force myself to be in a headspace so that, you know, the concept of drama works. It just works. You know, it works on the, on the, on the human brain. People, you know, it's, it's a very huge entryway that everybody can kind of funnel into. But with a game, it's just like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm done pretending that this is working for me. It's not. I mean, I felt the same way about Bioshock. I thought Bioshock was an amazing game from a standpoint of execution, and it was very creative, and it was very cleverly written, and you got to give it props, and you got to respect it, and I do. But the reality of it is, is the way I play games, and this is, that's what I'm saying, this is a personal thing. This is not, this is not me making some kind of, you know, flag in the ground saying games are this, games are, this is, this is David Jaffe's view of games, right? And, I just had this sense of, I don't want to have to work to believe in this. I was walking around studying the water on the ground going, oh, look, they put that little fish there that's flapping around when the plane crashes into the thing. It's like, I just, I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't get immersed because I just, I don't think story-based games work. I'm sorry, I just don't. It's like, let me have the adventure by making it part wow. of the gameplay. And I just, that's just how I felt. So I was playing that, I was playing Orange Box, um, playing Zelda, um, oh, Heavenly Sword, I'm still playing. I, I'm enjoying that. That's a good game. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure still in the middle of that. What's that? I'm still in the middle of that, so, too. So you're enjoying Heavenly Sword? Well, I'm enjoying it for what it is. I mean, that's okay. part of the thing. It, 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 it looks really pretty. Um, it's a fun game for me to put in, you know, play it 10, 20 minutes at a time and kind of get some nice hack and slash going and move on. I'm not enjoying it in the sense of sitting down and playing for hours on end. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm enjoying Heavenly Sword in the same way that I enjoyed um, uh, The Lord of the Rings from EA, the, like the, the, the Two Towers. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. the, or or the, uh, the follow-up Stormfront game. They did a game called Demon Sword. I enjoyed that. And people are like, he likes Demon Short Sword. He hates Bioshock. He's, uh, first of all, I didn't say I hated Bioshock. But, I mean, you know, I can... <laughs> doesn't matter. doesn't matter that? if you hate Bioshock. That's what it's going to say. Yeah, I know. It I doesn't know. matter. That's, that's so not the case. But... Um, but I'm just saying that it's like that. I guess though it really does prove my point. I think, I think Heavenly Sword or even even go back to like a these titles that I'm mentioning: Heavenly Sword, Demon Stone, uh, Fellowship of the Ring. These are really fantastic B titles, is what I would say about those mm-hmm. games. You know, they're kind of like the Scorpion King. You know, or people are going to kill me over that. I thought the Scorpion King was a great B movie. You know, or the Skeleton Key. It, it doesn't have huge ambitions, it's not trying to change the world, it just executes pretty well sort of a tried and true premise. And, you know, if you go in knowing that, you have a good time. Do I think you should charge 60 bucks for it? Maybe not. Maybe there should be a scale based on, you know, that. But, so, do I think uh, Bioshock has done some things that will change the industry? Yes. Do I think it's brilliant? Yes. Do I think it 
deserves to be nominated and maybe even win Game of the Year? Absolutely. But does it work for me personally as a gamer in terms of immersing me in its world and its story? Absolutely not. I was bored after about 20 minutes of it. I think that's cool that you're able to step back. What's that? Uh, I was just saying, I think it's cool that you're able to step back like that and say, you know, this stuff might not work for me, but... I understand why it does work for other people. I think, oh, well, I think I a have, lot of people, like I people online, can't reality, do that. The reality of it is, is that it's clear that it works for so many more people than it doesn't work for me. So I am certainly not sitting here saying those people who mm-hmm. it works for are wrong. I mean, what an ass I would be is if I actually thought my opinion of Half Life was uh, Half Life Two. Sorry, was the majority opinion. That's stupid. Um, so you're just I, I think old, really more what it's saying is I'm sort of studying and learning to appreciate just the things that I like, and, and that I think that says a lot of bad about you know, uh, you know, and certainly there 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 can be a lot of valid criticisms thrown my way of things that in my life as a person I should probably improve on. But to be to throw it back the other way towards a lot of the net fanboys, um, you know, it, it's so. Um, you know, you can only have one way of thinking to a lot of them. And it's like, that that's really frustrating because it, it kind of gets in the way of me ultimately and the people ultimately coming to the conclusion of it's like, you know what? I don't have to like Half-Life 2. I don't have to like Bioshock because ultimately as a game designer, that's allowed me to realize, okay, well, what is it that you do like about games? Because there's certainly games out there that I love. Um, and that's been a really great thing for me as a designer to go, okay, you know what, I want to focus on what I do like instead of sitting there trying to pretend or trying to get my head around, why don't I like this? I don't know why I don't like I Actually, I do. I can analyze it, but I don't want to bore you guys. But I, I just don't. It bores me. I don't buy into it. Actually, the way you just explained that really, I'm sorry, uh, the way it really explains calling out cars because you, you obviously focused on one thing, making it really damn fun. That was above all else, and I think that really comes through in what you're saying. Cool, cool. Yeah, and again, I, totally I understand not everybody's going to like calling all cars, so, you know, that's cool, too. Well, and, and actually, Dave, I'm, I'm kind of the same way with Bioshock. I, I played the demo on the 360, and I played the demo on the PC, and I, I'm just really impressed by, you know, I, I love the stylism of it and everything else, but I've really not been interested enough to play it because I, I'm kind of in that same mindset where I just don't think, number one, that I'm going to get immersed in it enough, but also that it just, the, the older I get and the more, the busier that I get at, you know, at work and, and with life, I don't have time to sit down and get immersed in these things as much. I mean, I've played through Half-Life 2 a couple times on the PC. Um, see, I, I, I used to use that excuse. I don't actually think that's the excuse. I don't think it's the time excuse. No offense, because I know what you mean. I've got two kids, I've got a job, I've got all this other shit I'm trying to do. If it actually immersed you, you would make the time, is what I would say. That's true. Because the reality is when that plane crashed in Bioshock, and it looked beautiful on the 360, and it had the water and the flames and the, the big tail sinking underneath the ocean and all that stuff, I don't know about you, the first thing I did is like, huh, I wonder what's going to happen to this tail. Are they really sinking it? Let me go up to the tail and sit here and watch and see if it goes all the way underneath the water. And then I'm like, hey, let me see if I can swim past the fire. What happens there? It's like it's not that I didn't appreciate the vision of it. But it's like, I've been down that road as a designer before of going, let me basically mimic um, and, 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 you know, and improve and bring, I'm not saying the guys who made Bioshock, I think it was Ken Levine who was the creative director, I don't know him, he seems like a very smart, creative guy. But, you know, let me take what I've seen in comics and movies and books and basically transfer it to a video game. And I guess what I'm saying is, I don't think it's a one-to-one transference, because when you're given interactivity, over those experiences that usually in a movie the camera would show you the, the, the tail fin going underwater. You'd never have the character swimming towards the flames to see what would happen, and you buy that. In a game, when you open interactivity to it, um, suddenly a lot of that stuff that in a movie is never questions begins to break down. It's like that uh, the independent game facade about that couple having a dinner party on the PC. It's like, I just started doing stuff to fuck around to see what would happen. And it's like, you know, I think a game like Oblivion, even though that game was too overwhelming for me, uh, and I'm looking forward to Fallout gets it right because they're like, look, w- you know, it's all about the freedom. It's all about the gameplay, and I think games just need to embrace that more. For, well, that's not true. I think for me to be into the game, they need to embrace that more. Clearly, there are legions of fans who don't who think I'm wrong and ha- have no problem with that. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, everybody always um, has an opinion. So, one thing, real quick. So, do you think game design and working in the games industry is somewhat changed 
how you uh, not change, but you think it's lessened your enjoyment of playing video games? You think that maybe if you were a, a carpenter, you might enjoy Bioshock or Half Life Two more, or what? Um, that's a really good question. I, I mean, sir, okay, yes, yes, and no. Yes, in the sense that I don't think you can help do anything um, and, and, and be sort of experienced within an industry, be it carpentry or whatever. And not look at things in a different light because you're, you know, when I saw the fish flapping around on the ground, certain in Bioshock, certainly in my mind, I was like, oh, you know, some poor schmo at three in the morning, you know, some junior level designer had to go in and kind of place that, you know, event trigger for the fish to flap around, you know. So certainly, I'm thinking those those things, but it's it's it's, it's so yes, part of it is being in the industry and sort of you know seeing you know what really goes on behind the scenes but that's that's not most of it because you know my i've I've made movies they haven't been very good, but I've made movies, my brothers in the industry I've been on a lot of sets and stuff I know how movies are made too, but I still get totally immersed in in, in good movies, even average movies and so I think it has a little to do with that, but I think it has more to do with the fact that you know, I think what has happened is there have been uh, a lot of people, myself included, who have come into the industry and they're trying to sort of assume there is this one-to-one correlation between basically just taking things that we see in, in linear media and making it interactive and going, well, hey, I, I did, I, I'm the director, I'm the creative guy, I did what they did in an episode of Lost, or I did what they did in, 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 in the Titanic, and now I'm just letting you play around the set. It should be great. And it's like, yeah, I don't think that's the case. And so I think it's just that I, it happens to coincide that the technology has come online and enough people have gotten in the business that have tried these things. That has all coincided with the fact that I'm out in the business now. So I think I would have had that same response regardless. I mean, if you look at a game like Deus Ex that came out when I was in the business, and I think that's one of the best games ever made, that game immerses me... That game immerses me so much, um, and there are very few cutscenes in that game. Um, and I think it's because they really do understand the difference between, you know, playing a game and trying to drop somebody into a movie set, basically. I mean, there's a huge difference. I, when I was talking about making God of War, uh, when I did my die speech, I said, you know, I said, I want to make, I wanted God of War to be a game that made you feel like you were a kid watching Raiders of the Lost Ark, and people. Uh, and there's a, there was a huge difference between making a game that makes you feel like Indiana Jones being in Raiders of the Lost Ark and being a kid watching Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I think a lot of games go wrong that are trying to be story-based games because they basically say, oh, we'll make you feel like Indiana Jones. Well, Indiana Jones, you know, as Indiana Jones, the editor came in and cut out all the boring stuff, you know. Um, we just got to... So I wanted, I wanted all the boring stuff cut out, and I still wanted you to play it. And so I think it's just... There's this weird thing that somebody like a Harvey Smith could probably speak to much better than I can, sort of the psychology behind it, that happens where really becoming the star of the experience isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Because if you were really the star of the experience without the help of the editor or the writer or anything like that, you'd probably have 85% tedious, boring things to do. And only 15% of the time you'd actually go, hey, this is really fun. And so I think that's what happens a lot of times when people try to basically make games and mimic too much sort of movie sensibilities. Another example from uh, 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 Bioshock was when I came into the, uh, uh, I came out of the plane crash and I came into that uh, the the before you get submerged in the submarine and they're playing Beyond the Sea, right? Yeah. And, this, you know, and I was like, I'm sorry, that didn't work for me. And I've seen reviewers who were like, isn't that amazing? And it's like, you know what? It's really not that amazing. It's kind of forced um, and it's kind of ham-handed and it feels like they're trying to do, they're trying to get me to have the response I would have in a movie if I heard, if I saw like a character, you know, hearing a warped, warbly record in the background that's kind of creepy and it's kind of this and it's kind of that. And instead it was just kind of like, I wasn't immersed to begin with. And so it was just kind of like, okay, you know, uh, it, it kind of felt, it's kind of like I could, I could see the magic behind the screens. It didn't feel immersive to me. But again, I am in the minority. If the guys at Bioshock speak at GDC, I'll be first in line because I'm like, there's tons to learn from those guys, and they'll probably justifiably get Game of the Year. So I don't want to act like I'm bagging on Bioshock as a product. It's just, it's more about me, I think, learning about what works for me as a player and a designer. I think the thing to be careful about, too, is, um, I mean, a lot of what you're talking about is sort of the atmosphere stuff and, like, the story and world building in the game. 
but it, it, I mean, when you get down to it, the actual gameplay of Bioshock had to be solid for it to get as much um, praise as it's getting too. So once you do get past all that, the gameplay is is very solid as well. Yeah, I didn't I didn't play that much of Bioshock. I got mm-hmm. I think I I must have turned it off at about I mean very early on. I got into some firefights. I started injecting myself with the shots. Mm-hmm. I had that lady with the baby stroller, and she turned and she attacked me, and I was just like, you know, it, it, it didn't it didn't hold me um, at all in, in in those regards. But you know, it's not my kind of game, I guess. Also, why the heck did the guy just shove the needle in his arm right when he found it? I never got <laughs> I never understood that part of it. Hey, hey, the needle. Play play it a little more. You'll understand. Exactly. Like I said, I'm I. I I, the last thing I want is a shit ton of blog comments for, on my blog of people trying to explain to me the brilliance of Bioshock. I get it. <laughs> yeah. In the same uh, way, it doesn't happen. It doesn't matter. Of, it's going to happen. What's that? It doesn't matter. It's going to happen. You're gonna it it will, but I, I imagine most people who are listening to this, you know, they they hear what I'm saying, you know, and you know, I mean, you know, I'm I I, I would say the same thing to Ken Levine, and I'm sure he'd say the same thing to me. It's like, well, you know, Jaffe, I don't really like your kind of games either. But I'm, I hopefully he would have some respect. Anybody who makes games has to have respect for each other, even if you're talking about the AAA best game ever made and a budget title made from you know the old X Wizard works like Deer Hunter Eight, because it's a hard <laughs> thing to do. You know, it's a hard thing to do technically. It's a hard thing to do creatively, and just from a management standpoint, it's really hard to get all of these very uh, unique and powerful talents together and get them to walk in the same fucking direction. So. I'm not, I'm not. I'm, I'm sort of speaking as a, 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 you know, analyzing games and gameplay and what works for me as an individual. So hopefully anybody listening to this knows that I'm not kind of sitting here trying to be inflammatory and I'm not trying to be like, oh, let me get some fucking headlines in the blogs. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not after that. But you know, I think I, I, I'm interested in having serious discussions uh, about video games and what works for people and what doesn't work for people. And you know, I'm, I'm waiting. For, listen, I, I'm a disappointed. Uh, optimist i guess you know i'm waiting for a game that makes me feel like i'm on the holodeck i'm not i'm not i'm not bagging on that it's just that so far if i'm really honest with myself if i'm looking for a story so far i'd rather be watching a movie if i'm looking for gameplay i'd rather be playing a game and that's just what it's been so far i'm, I'm open to, to seeing the light but so far i haven't seen it so since you're um you've been talking so much about moving away from story-based games and uh focusing a lot more on the smaller casual stuff is that is that where eat sleep play is going to be focused well we we are going to be in the medium to small game space um you know what i said to someone a a couple months ago when they were interviewing us i said we're never going to get bigger than like a game like twisted metal black i mean here's here's what i'll say as a company eat sleep play is going to focus on mechanics driven gameplay um and so if you look at a game like twisted metal black or you look at a game like calling our cars or a game like, you know, old school, Track and Field, Space Invaders, Gyrus, whatever. Um, that's sort of what we're going to be doing. We're, we're never going to be kind of the God of War or Gears of War, uh, story-based and lots of scripted events. We're really going to focus on mechanics-based and mechanics-driven gameplay. And so in terms of scope, uh, we're, we're going to be hanging out uh, in between, you know, the small sort of free flash games, probably not that small, but sort of small casual PC games, up to about the level of like Twisted Metal Black, obviously scaled for sort of inflation, but that's where we're going to, those are the waters in which we plan on swimming. So you're not planning to go back to Heartland? No. Maybe one day, but certainly not with Eat, Sleep, Play unless Eat, Sleep, Play radically changes. I mean, one of the best lessons I got over the last, I don't know, my whole career is that you you really are you have to make the game that works with the team that you have and there are teams out there for example the guys who make Madden okay and most people would argue that Madden uh, is is probably the best football game well probably the only football game on the market but you know what I'm saying it's one of the best sports games you wouldn't go to Madden the Madden team as great as they are not to say they couldn't do it but you know it's clear that that's their expertise and to go to them and say okay guys let's make Grand Theft Auto that that may work, but what I've learned is that you know people come together and form teams um, because and, and those teams work well because there is kind of a core sensibility that at least the key people on those teams share, which doesn't mean that those people on the teams don't like other games and wouldn't be good at other games. But as a team, um, we're we're just not the right team to make Heartland. You know that's what I learned. If I was going to make Heartland again, you know it would be after I was sort of had had finished uh, Eat Sleep Play. 
and maybe I was back with a team like the God of War team. The God of War team would be the perfect kind of team to make Heartland. The Eat Sleep Play team, crazy, incredibly talented people, but they're they're talented in a different way. They're they're really more of a mechanics driven group. I'll tell you, I'm, yeah. I'm sure most of that team probably worked on Warhawk, if I'm not mistaken, right? Well, uh, a, a good a good number, not certainly not most, but a, a good number of them, yes. Okay, and that's well, a great example of a great, fun, mechanics-driven game. Yeah, I'm going to take my 30 seconds to gush and just tell you that I, I'm a Battlefield player by trait, and uh, I'm completely and totally addicted to Warhawk, and I literally play it probably five nights a week. That's so, awesome. It's true. I, I, again, like I may have told you, I told somebody from... from uh, your your podcast. I, I had nothing to do with Warhawk, actually, but I know a lot of the guys on our team did, so they'll be very happy to hear that. Yeah, tell everybody, because I am literally addicted. Cool. <laughs> I'll be playing something else, and eh, maybe I'll just play a little Warhawk, and three hours later, I'm going to bed, so... Very nice. Oh, that's that's cool. that's great to hear. I, I know I know everybody within Sony, and the guys who worked on it in COG and, and Eat Sleep Play are real proud of that title, and they should be. It was a a real labor of love for them. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you and many like you are enjoying it. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's an absolute blast. Um, any games you're looking forward to? Hmm. Let me think, what's coming out? Um, God of War 3? <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that, that'll be a Just while. A thought. Though. Just a thought. Well, of course, it's, 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 yeah, you're not the first one to have it. I promise you Sony would love to see that series continue and i'd be stunned if it didn't but that's i know nothing about there you know that's i'm not sony anymore so i don't know what's happening with that title right uh, i'm trying to think when you say anything i'm looking forward to uh well you know mario galaxy i'm looking forward to um i was not a huge fan of uh uh sunshine uh, was that what it's called with the, with the water tank yeah 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 i did I, it was okay i got real bored of that real quick but i love 64 yeah. so you know i'm looking forward to galaxy um I'm looking forward to Uncharted a lot. I like Amy a lot. I love Raiders Lost Ark a lot. And the Naughty Guy Naughty Dog guys have not ever really let me down, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, what's going on with 360? 360 kind of blew its wad on Halo. No, 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 there's the Mass Effect. Um, you know, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm looking forward to it in the same way that I look forward to Bioshock. I'm, I'm hoping maybe this will be the story-based game that opens my eyes. But on, like, Knights of the Old Republic... I got real bored of the combat in that game. You know, I'm not, I, I don't have the patience for those kind of games. So I'm hoping the combat, you know, will still, uh, you know, entertain somebody like me so I can appreciate all the other amazing stuff that they bring to the table. So uh, that, that's a game I've got my eye on. So, you know, there's, there's definitely some stuff coming down the line that, uh, that I'll be playing. All right. Well, okay. anybody else got any questions? Or uh, we've taken up a lot uh, of your time, Dave. <laughs> it's, I'm procrastinating because i, I got to fucking files right now and I'm like, i definitely got a, a couple more if you've got a few okay. more minutes I, I have a few minutes yeah like i said i the, the, the minute i hang up i gotta get back to work and it's really it's drudgery right now it's important but it's drudgery let's just say that there's a <laughs> there's a whole hell of a lot of archival stuff from the twisted metal series back dating back to 1993 and i get to go through fucking all of it it's just wow. like brain bleeding eye numbing work but it's important because you know again, this is a lot of the stuff that? that's gonna what's that can't you get some intern to do that? <laughs> well, yeah, I could, but I mean, a lot of this is the stuff that we want to put on uh, a lot of the bonus features and stuff for the, the Twisted Metal mm-hmm. port for PS2, and I want to make sure that out of these thousands of images and video clips and things, that we really are putting stuff on there that, that is that is relevant and that is worth you know people's time and money. And so, uh, when you know, let's put it this way, for every 10 images, there's one that I feel that might be worth using. So it's worth it. It's just it's kind of hard because you've got to go through those nine images that's like boring, 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 you know. So anyway, yes, <laughs> well, I have a few more well, minutes. Absolutely. I'll just I'll rush right through these last sure. couple of questions. Just a couple of things I wanted to ask you about general stuff having to do with the games industry. Um, sure, Absolutely. First off, I was really curious about what your thoughts are on the like newfound push for sort of developer independence that we see. I mean, we've got you left Sony and formed Eat Sleep Play, and then just recently we have Bungie, um, you know, breaking off from Microsoft and going to do their own thing. Do you think this is a push we're going to be seeing a lot more of as we get, you know, bigger de- bigger developers who are able to do this? Well, I don't. I know. Yes and no. No, because this is this has always been the way. People always leave. You know, whether they leave publishers and form a company. You know, a lot of the guys who did Pandemic, I believe, were Activision employees years ago. You know, or whether they actually leave developers and form a you know they, they form a company and they were former. Like the guys at Ready at Dawn were guys from Blizzard and from uh, where, where was he from? I know Rue, who's the creative director on the God of War for PSP, was from Blizzard. A bunch of guys were from Blizzard. 
Where's Didier from? Uh, he was from another really big company. I forget what it was. So this is just sort of par for the course. This just happens all the time. So okay. I, I, I wouldn't say that games getting more, you know, games getting more expensive makes it a little harder. But the nice thing is there's all these other little venues popping up, be it, you know, portable games or casual games or games for a system like the Wii, which obviously is not as expensive to develop for. So I think it's kind of balancing itself out. So I don't think anything different is happening. The Bungie thing really does interest me, though, because it makes you go, okay, well, why walk away from Microsoft? Either they weren't yeah. getting the kind of money they thought they deserved from a game like Halo. Um, they were they're creative guys. Maybe they got too much money and said, fuck it, we have so much money now. As much as we'd like to keep making more money now, we want to get away from Halo. And maybe Microsoft was like, we're never going to let you do anything other than Halo. I don't know. I'm just speculating. I have no clue. Yeah. That, that's that's going to be a real interesting story yeah. uh, when the when sort of not not that they're not that they're like hiding the truth like it's some conspiracy, but when the details of why they broke off come out, I think that's going to be a real exciting uh, uh, you know thing to hear about. Yeah, I absolutely agree. That was the first thing I thought of. <laughs> What's that? That was the first thing I thought of. Is I, I can't wait to find out all the juicy facts it's, behind it's that at some we, point in the future. The game's business needs its version of, like, Star Magazine, so we can get the word <laughs> from there. That's there you what go, you Phil. guys should do. You guys should tailor your blog and your site to start just becoming the tabloid journalism of uh, yes. a video game. I'll have to talk to Terry but we'll start Ken like, about that. We'll, tar- we'll start, like, videotaping Phil Harrison everywhere he goes. <laughs> right, right. Nice. Grocery nice. The, sad thing is, the sad thing is it really isn't very interesting. Not Phil, but just any of us. It's kind of like... We probably talk the same thing that you guys do, you know. It's just like, oh, they happen to make games. Like <laughs> exactly. I saw, and I, I I saw the the pictures from BAFTA. I guess uh, myself and Corey and uh, Marianne won uh, a BAFTA award the other night uh, for the story for God of War Two, which was funny. I, I on one hand I was kind of excited, on the other hand I'm like, there were things nominated for the BAFTA that haven't even come out yet. So I'm like, how serious do I need to take that award? I don't know. But they had pictures on the net today, on I think it was Kotaku, of like a lot yeah. of the winners. And it's just kind of like, you know, we're just not photogenic folk, you know? It's just, if we were photogenic folk, we probably wouldn't be in the games business. Not to say all of us, there are some really good-looking people in our business, but for the most part, you know, we, we do better behind the screens and behind the scenes, you know? Well, you, you didn't stick <laughs> out as much as you did when you were at the Playboy Mansion, though. Well, I wasn't there. I wasn't at the BAFTA Awards, so that was in England, so. <laughs> all right, well, I got just one more, and... Um, yeah, absolutely. I got to confess, I, I've got a little bit of a... Um, alternate interest here. I'm actually working on an article for One Up right now on um, adults-only rated games, uh-huh. and I'm curious, you know, as somebody who was at the helm of a fairly violent game with God of War, yes. what are your thoughts on the whole Manhunt Two situation, and you know, basically the inability for adults-only rated games to even be a reality for publishers right now? Um. Well, okay. I I think I I, I actually just did a. Uh, uh, I, I, I just spoke with EGM, and their their piece just came out. So I'm surprised oh, cool. that EGM's doing just did a piece now because it's all Ziff Davis, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so way way, way to uh, keep writing the same article. But anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> so, so what we he's do, out of the loop. Poor guy doesn't know anything. Uh, it's like fucking Groundhog Day over there, you know. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, though, but, but I'll, I'll say the same thing, which is I, I I'm a big fan of ratings. I think ratings are very important, not just as a parent, but just as you know. Uh, a member of society, I think it's it's they're necessary and, and valuable, and so I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that the ESRB has done a really good job of of making parents and just customers aware of the ratings. So that's my praise for the ESRB. Uh, the ESRB, like I told uh, EGM, they really need to grow a backbone and they need to figure out. I want to know why the ESRB insists on rating games not like movies or television shows. That's the problem I have. If AL actually meant what NC17 did. Then I'd go like, all right, there's a place for that rating. Absolutely. But the reality is AO in our industry is equivalent to a soft R in the movie business. And, you know, you think about this. I mean, you know, the ESRB needs to kind of, they, they just don't care, I guess. But it's like, okay, so what you're saying, ESRB, is your ratings are basically ineffective and useless. Because if you've already got a rating on the box that, the box that says you have to be 17 or older to, p- to play the M, why do you even need an AO? Who are you protecting at that point? Like 34-year-olds? I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like, what is an AO for, right? And so it's kind of like, you know, if they really thought their ratings were effective, and I think they are when parents care. When parents don't care, they're not effective. But if they thought their ratings were effective, I think they'd be able to sort of go, 
all right, and uh, you know, an uh, 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 M is an R, and an AO is an MC17, and that's the problem I have with the whole Manhunt thing. I haven't played Manhunt two, but I've I've read you know descriptions of it, and it sounds to me like it's a soft R-rated movie, and you know, so it kind of it kind of strikes me as. Um, curious you know it's like why is there the discrepancy you know is it because they really think games are just toys is it because they think their m rating doesn't actually work uh, a lot of times they'll say oh but it's interactive and it's like you know what people are debating at, at much more intelligent levels than people of the esrb and much more intelligent levels than me what does it really mean that it's interactive i mean that's such a that's such a i think a cop-out buzzwordy kind of thing to say without really understanding what it is that you're saying. It's like, so it's interactive. Well, you know what? The reality of it is you can be playing the most gruesome, gory game in the world, but because it's interactive, chances are the first five, ten minutes, the, the, the gore and the setting has worn off, and what you're really thinking is, how do I fucking figure out how to get that door open? You know, or how do I figure out how to level my character up so I can, you know, kill more monsters? You're not even, you're thinking about it in the abstraction of the interactivity. You're not even thinking about the surface of the... Uh, uh, of the experience, you know, and so to claim, oh, but it's interactive, so it's more powerful, really just speaks to the, I think, ignorance of or the lack of understanding of sort of how video games actually work on the mind in the first place. So mm-hmm. I have all kinds of problems, not with the ratings, not with ratings that are for adults only. I have all kinds of problems with what is clearly um, sort of a hypocrisy going on, or at least the the least an ignorance going on regarding the ratings as they are now. And so I think Manhunt uh, 2, I think it's nuts that that game can't be sold, and I think it's nuts that there's nobody in the industry, either on the console platform holders or at Rockstar or the ESRB uh, or the public, I guess, who has the backbone and balls to stand up and say, wait a minute, you know, don't fucking push us around. Mm -hmm. You know, if if you really want, if you've got something to about your ratings, and let's have a real open dialogue. But you know, I, I think I think it's really unfortunate what's happened. Great. Yeah, it's it's pretty pathetic that a movie like Hostel Two can come out, and I can see a man, a naked man, get his arm sawed off while the blood drips into a woman's mouth, and Manhunt Two can't be released. Yeah, I, I know it's 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 crazy. It's it's really crazy, and and it's like you know. It's like the the thing that I get that's going on too is just it's like we just we just don't have and you know in society people just need to stand up more and then you know that's okay they don't they have families I have families we all want to make money you know it's like this constant kind of push and pull between when is the right time to grow a pair and maybe the right time is not over a game like Manhunt too because maybe it just really isn't that special of a game that merits people were risking losing their job. You know, maybe it's going to take a game that comes out that has all of that stuff and actually moves the medium forward. But I think this also speaks to, and I don't want to go on forever about this. I know you guys know where I stand on this, but it's something I'm passionate about, which I think, you know, I, I came from, I saw that movie uh, over the weekend, Rendition, which is an average movie. And there's a point in it where Reese Witherspoon's character realizes that her husband's not coming home and she's pregnant and she's got her kid with her and she starts crying. And I'm sitting there in the audience and I'm like, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not crying over this, but I, I felt a little emotion for this character, much more emotion than I've ever felt over a fucking video game character. And so I think the reality of it is also, is if video games were actually capable of being an artistic medium uh, that elicited the same kinds of passionate responses in the audience that, say, a book or a movie or a television show is, then I think you'd have an easier time finding people to kind of rise up and fight the fight against these ratings that are clearly hypocritical. But the reality of it is, is at least so far, games as a medium have not reached even close to that level uh, of sort of uh, a medium to be um, emotionally relevant. And until that happens, you're not going to get people who are going to really rise up and defend them in any meaningful way. And so I think that's uh, a lot of what's going on. I guarantee you if this was a movie situation, um, you know, I think, I think it would go down a lot differently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that was a movie, it would probably be a PG- PG-13. Well, no, no, but that's that's not what I'm saying, though. That's I mean, you're right, but that's not what I'm saying. That that's right. a different that, that's a valid issue, but the issue I'm saying is that I don't think games are an emotional medium, and that or, or I, I don't think games inspire the same kind of emotions as other mediums, and because of that, uh, I think we're finding it hard to actually stand up and fight for them. Because what are we really fighting for, Manhunt? Yeah, we're fighting for the ethical problem that the ESRB's rating system is kind of archaic and fucked up and hypocritical. That's a good fight to have. 
But what, we're, what we should be fighting for, the reason we're not getting motivated is because what we should be fighting for is, oh my God, this game changed my life. It's important for me to put my neck out because this game means something. And the reality of it is, it doesn't. So far, no game has come along that really means anything from a standpoint of sort of emotional, uh, besides just having a great time with your friends or a great time with yourself. And like I said at the beginning of this, that's noble, that's important. But it's not the same, don't mean it's not, it's good, it's just not the same as, you know, this movie or this book or this speech means something. And so that, I think, is, is really sort of at the heart of why this, this debate continues to rage and will continue to rage until somebody makes a game, if it's even possible, and I have many, many days where I do not think it is, until somebody makes a game that actually can elicit a response that is really deeper than something that, you know, maybe a three-year-old could feel. All right. Okay. Thank so, you for answering uh, that I, twice for us. What's for that? Us crazy. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for answering that twice for us crazy upside down Ziff Davis people. Well, oh, you're welcome. But at least the good news is this is a podcast, so hopefully most of what I said will go out versus like a blurb that says ESRB is hypocritical, and that's all I get on EGM. Uh-huh. <laughs> this entire thing's going out. I'm telling you right now. Oh, good. Okay, good. Well, hopefully uh, it, it worked for you guys, and I appreciate the. Uh, you know, I appreciate the interest, and I appreciate you letting me plug our new port and our new company. And anybody listening that hates me, I promise I don't hate you. I just have my own opinions, and hopefully we can all be friends and fellow gamers together. I'm not out to get you. All right. Uh, before we let you go, okay, hy- hypothetical. This yeah. won't take long at all. Okay, yeah. you have five seconds. I want you to say a five-second blurb that will change everything and make us famous. Go. You're going to have to set up a little better than that. You want me to say a five-second blurb that will change everything and Damn make it. you famous? Yes. Like, say something crazy. Just go. <laughs> wants a headline, right. how, about, how about I'm not a trained monkey, bitch? There we go. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I had to say that at work today, All right, actually. <laughs> right, 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 right. No, I, 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 I'm done saying the crazy stuff. At least I hope I am. Well, All Dave, right, well, we respect that. Yeah, thanks for being so uh, so approachable, and thanks for putting up with my e-stalking for the last couple of months. Any any time, dude. Any time. I, I really do appreciate the interest. So thank you very much, and I'm looking forward to hearing it. And, nice uh, talking just to let you, you know, Yeah, just let you know you have walk-on status on this show. Uh, you have my iChat. You have everything. Uh, if you ever want to get anything off your chest, if you ever want anything to plug, you know how to cool. get a hold of I, me. I and, appreciate uh, that. And just just shoot me shoot me an IM anytime you want to chat, and let me know when this is going to go up because I'm eager to listen to how much of an ass I sound like. I am actually planning on getting this uh, up later on tonight, so hopefully by about 10 or 11 o'clock your time. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thank you, guys. Nice to meet some of y'all. Yeah, thank you very much, sir. Bye, y'all. Thank you, Dave.